So it's Father's Day. I, I tentatively named this Happy Farger's Day. Does anybody know where that's from? Farger. Just a couple people. It's awesome powers. Farger. Far, what is Farger? Oh, father. Father. I have a Dutch accent. Isn't that weird? All right. I digress. All right. Um, so, yeah. Father's Day. Jesus taught for three years. Um, it's about 110 pages in the Bible, dedicated to his ministry and message. In those three years, Jesus taught about the Father in heaven at least 181 times. Jesus' paramount message was the kingdom. Part of that kingdom was the Father, was the King, which is his Father. So his, the central message of Jesus was restoration to the Father. We've talked about this several times in here. Um, I was, I think, very inadvertently misled, as many of us were, that we all just suffer on earth and then we get to go to heaven one day and, and be happy and good luck for now, which doesn't seem like Jesus' message when I read the Bible. Um, but, but when we realize that this kingdom is much more diverse and much bigger than just a geographical location way out there somewhere, when we realize that Christ is with us, it changes our perspective on things. And when, when we realize that Christ is with us, we realize that we have a restored relationship with the Father. And so that's what I want to kind of touch on today um, is the, ab- the absolute restoration that we have in God the Father through Christ Jesus. Um, so pretty much one out of every, I just Google searched this. I didn't come up with this alone. Uh, one out of every 140 words, Jesus was speaking about his father. So a central message and purpose was to restore a relationship with our daddy in heaven. Something that was revelational to me was actually saying daddy out loud in worship. I'd said father, I'd said God, I'd never said dad or daddy. And there was, uh, one Sunday when I actually said it out loud and it just, it, it awakened something in me that I was a son and he was my father because I don't, I don't traditionally call anybody father. Oh, father. I call people dad. I guess if I would have a dad, I would call him dad or daddy. My kids call me dad or daddy. And so to me, that was uh, something that clicked in me. I'd learned it for several years, but there was a moment when the Holy Spirit brought it to, to the reality that I was actually a son of the father, that I was okay with God, that now there was no condemnation, that I could actually approach him um, as father, as a loving father. Um, I, I looked up a bunch of different scriptures that talk about father, but these are my three favorite. Um, and since I'm the pastor, I can pick them. Romans, Romans 8.14. <laughs> Romans 8.14. And I love, I love reading in context, and you know me. I'm all about reading everything in context. But these are fairly self-explanatory and just touch on father, fatherly things. So I just want to throw them out there um, just because I really like them, and they're really good. And most of you know the stories behind them anyway. Uh, Romans 8.14 says, For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the, what, children of God. The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear Rather, the spirit you receive brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him, we cry, Abba, Father, like Daddy. We cry, Daddy, Father. The spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Listen, this is, this is, the, this is the awakening that I'm, I feel like we're coming into in the church is that we're going to begin to see sons and daughters seeing God as Father again. Not as the Godfather, <laughs> but God the Father. That was a... a who said that it was on one of the, one of the uh, I don't know, some movie, doesn't matter. Matthew 6.26, <laughs> uh, Matthew 6.26, look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they are? Listen, this speaks to our identity in God, that he loves us and he cares for us and he takes care of us. We used to talk about provision, promotion, wait, what was it? Protection, provision, promotion. This is what our Father gives us, protection, provision, promotion. It's one of the things that it's, it's the things that all of us desire in some way, and we try to figure out how that's going to look, and this is what God wants to give us. He wants to provide for us. He wants to protect us. He wants to promote us, not 
not by our own merit, but by his. Luke 12, 32 says, do not be afraid. This seems another common theme. Don't be afraid. You're not slaves. Don't fear. God is with you. God is for you. He says, do not be afraid, little flock, for your father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. Listen, he's not reluctant in what he does for you. He's not holding back. God doesn't hold back from us. This is another common misconception that God's like hiding from us. We've got to really struggle to find him. He's not hiding. He's seeking you. God is seeking us. Um, I was running from God when he found me. (laughs) I was not looking for him. I was trying to avoid him by all means. Um, So why why did Jesus talk so much about the Father? Why was this such a big deal? The Father from the very beginning, we talked about this last week, and I've talked about it a few weeks ago too. The Father created us in his image from the very beginning. You go all the way back to Genesis, the Father created us in his image. Remember what we talked about last week, what image is? Icon, the Greek word which we get icon from. It's the very character of God. He's created us to be like him. He's created us in his image. The, the message is paramount in Jesus because that's who God created us to be. This, this is something that everyone struggles with at some point in their lives. This is why Rick Warren's been so successful with the purpose, the, the whole, uh, what is it, the purpose-driven the purpose-driven life? Is that it? Because we all want to know what our purpose is, right? Everybody knows why we're here. What are we doing? What, what's, what's the point? A lot of the conversations that I've got into most recently, especially with pastors that want to see um, what they call more of an, out, an outside perspective of the way that they've kind of boxed things in, when they ask me these questions, they ask me a lot of how questions, and I answer them with why questions, and they get frustrated. I'm a very frustrating person to talk to if you ask me a lot of how questions because I want to know why. I want to know why we do the things that we do not just structured how we do them. Now, there is some structure that we have to put to that, but I want to know why we do things. When people hit me with questions about how and, and, and where do you place these specific things, like when you try to, try to put things in, in places that they can't be moved, unless it's Christ, most of those things can be moved. <laughs> and, and when you hit them back with that, they don't know what to do with it. But the cool thing is the conversation continues, and they're curious, and they want to know, okay, well, that it begins to make sense to them. We, I've talked to you about it. You know, if, if all we're doing is being nice to people so that we can have crowns in heaven, then all we're driven by is selfish ambition. If you want to get to the heart of it, if, if the only reason you're doing things is so you can have treasures one day in heaven, you don't realize what heaven is and you don't realize what treasures are. Sorry. We do things because the heart of the one that created us is now in us if we've accepted it. We do things because we are brand new, because we're new creations, not just different creations. I'm getting ahead of myself. From the very beginning, um, God created us in his image. Uh, why is image so important? God does not want us to make images of ourselves as gods, as many humans and rulers in the past have done, have, have created all these different things that they've created after themselves. We're, people aren't made, we're not to make images of God because God has already made images of himself in us. This is the reason why he was so frustrated with everybody that would make gold calves and make all these images of themselves. He's like, guys, I've done this already. <laughs> I did it right the first time. He, he created us in his image so that we wouldn't have to try to find our image in other things. We wouldn't try to find ourselves in something other than him. He, he's created a perfect plan that we kind of screwed up. <laughs> so the original plan was we were designed to, to be with him, to be like him, to be around him, and to basically cultivate the earth and have dominion over it, to have authority over all the earth. We're supposed to plant plants. We're supposed to have kids. From the very beginning, this was the plan. It's going to be great. God's like, hey, this is going to be awesome. I'm going to create you in my image. You're going to do all these great things in the earth. Um, and then we, like we talked about last week, we kind of dropped the ball with that. And we said, no, we want to find our own definition of good and evil. We don't trust you, essentially. We don't trust your definition of it. We don't trust that you, 
we, in the same way, we feel like you're holding out on us. The same thing from the very beginning. We think God is holding out on us. And so the serpent came in and said, hey, completely lied to him and said, uh, you, God doesn't want you to eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil because he, don't, he doesn't want you to be like him. The lie was you were already like him. We just didn't trust that. We didn't trust that truth, and we wanted to create our own truth. His original plan was go out, live, love, create families, create communities, be, you know, invent stuff, do whatever. It was, it was going to be good, and we kind of dropped the ball with it. So there was the fall. We tried, we tried to redefine ourselves. We tried to find our own purpose outside of God's will for us, which his was always greater than ours. So I'm kind of fast-forwarding through what I talked about last week, so sorry if I talked fast through all that. I just want to kind of get to the place where I want to be and still have enough time to get you guys home and spend some time with your families. You're welcome. <laughs> so God had a great plan. We screwed it up. How do we fix it, right? Seems like a logical step in order. God had a plan. Everything was great. We skipped around the, the garden. God was happy at us. We were happy at him. Serpent came in, lied to us. We fell for it. We tried to redefine our own, our own version of what this is. And now we need a fix, badly. Um, we can't fix it ourselves. I can't get into all the different stories of us trying to do it, but I'll fast forward to entering Jesus into the story. This is, this is where it all begins to happen. This is where redemption comes from. We can't reconcile it, but I know a guy. <laughs> I know a guy who can. He came and didn't just, <laughs> didn't just halfway fix it. You've heard me say, there, and I've heard other people say, you know, these, these kind of halfway, to me it's like a, a halfway gospel, pray like it all depends on God and work like it all depends on you and somewhere you meet in the middle. No. Pray like it all depends on God and work like it all depends on God because you couldn't do it anyway without him. This is a lot simpler process. We don't need to complicate it with, with getting in the middle of the whole thing. Exactly. This it's past tense. You're skipping ahead of me. You're skipping ahead of me. But you're right. You're, you're exactly where I'm going, though. Listen, Jesus. This, we're going to talk about Jesus now, 2 Corinthians 5.17. So then if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. What is old, listen to the past tense, has passed away. So you're right on track. This is where I'm going. Look, what is new has, has come. And all these things are from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ. And who has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That's what we were talking about a minute ago. Not only has he reconciled us, but he's given us that same ministry of reconciliation. Verse 19. In other words, in Christ God was recon- in other words, in Christ God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting people's trespasses against them, and he has he has given us the message of reconciliation. Stop there. <clears throat> we talked about um, um it's been a month ago or whatever, when Jesus came back into the room and all the disciples were locked in the room, scared to death, shaking in their boots. And to comfort them, he walked through a wall, which wasn't very comforting, I'm sure. And basically told them, look, I'm going to send you out. And if you're going to go out and you're going to tell people, you're going to forgive people their sins. And guess what? Their sins are going to be forgiven. That's a very radical statement to make. Lauren, you remember you asked me about that afterwards. Like, why, why was it? You remember us talking about that? Probably not. She, she came up and asked me, she's like, why do you think that was important? Here's why. They needed to know that when the Holy Spirit came, that they were going to carry something that was much greater than themselves. Because listen, at, at the very moment that you tell someone their sins are forgiven and they believe it, their sins are forgiven. This is the power that we carry. It's not about us, it's about the Holy Spirit that's in us. And so when he says, we give, he says I give you the, the spirit of reconciliation, that's not a small thing. He's saying that the same spirit that raised Christ Jesus from the dead now dwells in us. 
So then when, when now you walk around, you're now new covenant holy temples. So you want to talk about where holiness is? It's not just during worship. It's not just in this church building. It's wherever you go. Think about that for a moment. If you carry, if we, if we genuinely get a grip on this and understand this and renew our minds to it every day, when you carry Holy Spirit power in you, your demeanor begins to change. How does your demeanor change? I'm skipping ahead of myself again. I'm going to come back. I'm going to skip ahead and come back. John 13, 3. If I go too far, I'm going to come back. Jesus, knowing that the Father had put all things under his power, put all authority in Christ, and he had come from God and was turning to God, he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying with the towel that was wrapped around him. Listen to the order in which things happen. Jesus, knowing that he had all authority on earth and in heaven, had come from the Father and going to the Father. Listen, he was solid in his relationship with the Father. He knew he was the Son and knew God was the Father. What's his, first re- what's his reaction to that? He washes his disciples' feet. Listen, look at how we change when we begin to carry this power. We don't puff up. We don't say, look, look at how great we are. Listen, I can pray for somebody and they get healed, or I can do this, and, and, and I've got all this authority and power. That's not Christ-like. That's not Holy Spirit-driven. That's you redefining your image again. Don't do that. Christ says, look, I realize who I am, and now from that place, I don't have to gain any kind of, of recognition from people or God. I'm already there. Think about that for a minute. How does that change the way we act and react to people if we really get this? You're not fighting for approval from people. You're not fighting for approval from God anymore. If, Christ is, if, if God is satisfied in Christ, then we're not, doing, we're not going to that place anymore. We're living from it. You see the difference? It's a complete paradigm shift. The, the Bible tells us to renew our minds. I, I know I'm a broken record. Christ comes to live in our heart. That's a done deal. When Christ comes to live in our heart, all we do from there is the software. The hardware is there. We, we, I tell you all the time, you get a new MacBook Pro or a PC if you don't know anything about computers, or if you do know too much about computers. You get a computer, it needs a software update immediately. The hardware is there, but it needs a software update. We constantly need to update our software. Our hardware is there. We've received Christ. So we have this renewed life in us all the time, and all we need to do is start looking for it. So now when we go to, listen, the same way Jesus didn't just love his friends, he loved his enemies. How could he do that? It's from a place that God could reconcile us to even our own enemies. This is what God did. Let me back up. I got ahead of myself. Where was I? Verse 20. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God were making his plea through us. We plead with you on Christ's behalf. Be reconciled to God. God made the one who did not know sin to be sin for us, so that in him we would become the righteousness of God. So I did something a few months back where I I had Tracy put a book back up. I knocked a book off, and she put it back somewhere else. Knocked a book, book off a chair, and she put it back on the table. That was not restored to its original state, was it? I'm not going to go through the whole thing again. To be restored to its original state, it has to go back to the chair because that's where it originally was. Listen, the issue that we had in the garden was restored in Christ 100%. This is the relationship that's been restored to us and the Father. This is why we need to see that our Father is not just, and this, this was an image I had probably my first five years after I got saved, is that God is just waiting for me to mess up so that he can just like kick me off the stage or like kick me down again. This is the way I saw God. I saw God as a, a cosmic killjoy that was waiting for me to mess up or to be a little bit too happy, and he would put me in check. He was like a goalie, right? He would, he would always check things and keep me in check. When all God wanted to do was lead me into better things, 
and more joy and genuine joy that wasn't laced with shame and guilt. Listen, God created joy. If he made me with a sense of humor and he made me his image, he must have made you with a sense of humor. Lighten up. Lost people need to see you smile every once in a while. I mean, seriously. I grew up around church people that, I, that I've never, I never desired to, to want what they had. I never said, you know what? I want to be miserable like those people. I need to go to church every Sunday. And I'm not saying all of them, but most of the ones that I saw, all they did was tell me how bad I was, how wrong I was, and how I needed to get right, but not many of them really gave me the answer to it. And you know my harp on unconditional love. None that I can recall showed me any unconditional love. It was all conditional. I either needed to go to their church, say a prayer that they said, or do a certain thing that they did. And it wasn't just coming to Jesus. Yes, we need to come to Jesus. I'm not trying to get off of that. But come on, man. We, we make a lot of hoops that Jesus never made for people to jump through in churches. I'll get off, I'll get off my soapbox there. But we just need to be careful with that because I, I, I don't want to shift gears, but I'm going to shift gears. I'm going to talk to us as a church real quick. I've been talking to some of, some of you guys and some of the leadership. Um, we're going to get together and start talking about how we're going to do ministry in our church and kind of the vision of our church. And my, the hardest thing for me is to, to do things that are very structured because I never want to manipulate people or try to make people jump through any hoops to, to gain God's favor. We have, a good, we have good soil here. We've got a real diverse. You guys are real diverse and are very mature, most of you guys. Um, most of you are more mature than me. Uh, <laughs> but Jen, I'm, I'm being serious. I'm trying not to joke around. I'm trying. I'm trying not to joke around. Um, being serious. I, I want to, and my heart for our church is to have a culture to where we don't have a bunch of programs that, that push people to go out and do outreaches. We want to give opportunities to do those things. But I want to have a culture in this church where you guys are doing this every day. And I can't make you do that, and I have no intentions on trying to make you do any of that. What We gather here today so that you can, every day, every Sunday we gather so that we can understand more clearly who we are as sons and daughters of God so that we can go out and share that good news with other people. This is the simple gospel that we say, okay, now we can change people's lives on our own. We don't have to, uh, and I don't mind if you call me, I don't mind if you call me and we pray for people, but I want you guys to do it. You have the same Holy Spirit I have. There are people that you can reach that I will never reach. I mean, it's, that's the way it works. There are people that Julius can reach that Chris can't reach. It's just the way it works. We build relationships. Why is this so important? Because that's, that's the story of the Bible. The meta narrative, the grand story of the Bible is a restored relationship with God the Father. If you want to take everything and put it in one, one the, the crux, the very center of the Bible is Christ-centered because Christ reconciled our relationship with the Father. I heard growing up, heaven was the goal. And you, you can quote me on this and I'll be crucified for it on Facebook. Heaven's not the goal. Calm down. Heaven's not the goal for the Christian. A restored relationship with the Father is the goal, and Jesus Christ accomplished that already. That is the goal for the Christian. The goal for the Christian is relationship. The goal and the reward for the Christian is relationship. As I've gotten older, I didn't have a real big family. Um, you guys are the biggest family I've ever had. We didn't have a real big family. We weren't, we weren't super close. Matter of fact, we weren't close at all. We I mean, not that we were, it was all bad. There were lots of good things, and I still have fellowship with my family. But as a young person, I was consumed with things. Have any of y'all ever fallen into that? You want to get or things or being successful, lots of different things that we, we, we desire. As I got older, I began to realize, especially uh, once we began coming to this church, when we first started coming to this church, realizing 
how important the relationships with the people that we made and how paramount that was, I began to realize that that, that was where the joy really came from. Now, we'll do things and we, I mean, we buy things or whatever it is, but those aren't the goals. The goal is the relationship that we have with people. We talk about having 100 houses. Listen, if we lose our house today, I know you guys have a couch for me and my four girls. And dogs and cats. You may not have room for the dogs and cats. We'll figure it out. You will. Most of you guys have dogs and cats. Y'all are cool. We'll integrate. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it, go ahead. Right. <laughs> If you, if you build a house in a cardboard box, I'll get Ben to build you some awesome cabinets for it. You don't have to worry about cardboard boxes. We, we got you here. So, and the, same, and the same thing, all of you guys, if you guys need a place to stay, I mean, we got blow-up mattresses. We'll work it out. Um, but I'm just saying that there was such a distance between, especially in the... the the, 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 the quote-unquote gospel that I heard growing up, there was such a distance between us and God, and that in turn created a distance between me and them, or them and I, however you want to say it. There was a, there was a, there was a gap there. Have you all ever felt that? When, when, you know, I didn't get saved until I was 20 years old, and, and up to that point, when people would approach me, it was very awkward, usually, if they would approach me about church or about Jesus or anything. It was very awkward um, until I met my friend Jarrett, who just demonstrated it in life and began to build a relationship with me and change me. Um, but there was always this distance there. And I can remember the days when I would go through discipleship training and different things, and I would go make people feel uncomfortable in Walmart, and, and, have, and there was still this gap there. And it, it took a while to realize that something's wrong here. Something's not right here. Why, why, why isn't some of these things... And the Lord was, was gracious in that, and people would get saved through it, and I'm not discounting any kind of outreaches that we did. The, the Lord would meet us right where we were, even in our ignorance. I mean, it was great. I still see it today. I mean, seriously. Most of us got saved in a very legalistic situation or something that was or a fear-based scenario. So I don't doubt that God can move in anything. But what I'm saying is I think that in especially in our culture, in the Bible belt and church culture, there's this there's this emphasis on making sure we dot all the T's and cross all the I's and make sure that we do everything perfectly correct. And if we don't, that like God's gonna smite us. Or that that for some reason somebody's gonna get too too far off and and uh, and listen. There's so many stories that aren't over, man. There's so many stories that aren't over. Now, I don't want to get into details, but even Nick and I talked about this morning. Um, he wanted me to pray for a few people, and, and there, you guys, you guys may have, and many of us have even lost hope in some people. There's people that I've I've talked to and tried to give good advice to um, for years, and they continue just to make the same mistakes. And I want to slap them. You know, why? Why do you keep doing this? You see, I'm just being serious. I just get frustrated. You want to shake people. It's like you see, if A and B equals C. And you continue doing A and B for 12 years. Listen, I met this guy. I want to tell you this. This is kind of funny and odd. I just, I don't know if this has anything to do with it. We just reminded of it. We were in Goodwill yesterday. Um, my kids, we love going to Goodwill. Um, we were in Goodwill yesterday, and my kids were looking for baby doll clothes because they have baby dolls. 
Don't tell them I said that. Sometimes I get embarrassed about it. But it's cool. Kids play baby doll. Anyway, so we're looking. I don't know why I'm telling you all this. Anyway, we're at Goodwill. We go to check out, and this guy, one of the kids, some kids in there, and opens up an umbrella, and the guy behind the counter that works there, like, flips out. He's like, don't open the umbrella. Don't open it. It's bad luck. Don't open the umbrella. And I mean, I'm, t- and I'm exhausted. We've been cleaning our garage all day yesterday, and I'm exhausted. If you want to test a marriage, clean your garage out. I'll leave that there. All right. I'm getting way off. All right. So I'm exhausted. Like, I'm completely drained. I'm not, like, thinking about loving people in the name of Jesus. I just want to get some. I just dropped a bunch of stuff off, and I wanted to go back home, and I'm wet because it rained on me. So we're checking out, and this guy's flipping out. I'm just staring at him, just like blank stare. And he's flipping out, and he's like, is that bad? Is that weird? Is that bad? I was like, I don't know. What are you talking about? And he's like, uh, he's like I, I just, I'm real superstitious. Is that bad? And I was like, I don't know. I'm not superstitious at all. <laughs> he's like, well, uh, well, I can tell you this. I, I broke, <laughs> this kills me. He's like, I broke a mirror 14 years ago, and I've had 14 years of bad luck. It's only supposed to be seven years, but I've had 14 years of bad luck. <laughs> and he was, I'm not joking. He was serious. And I, <laughs> And I had many, many sarcastic things that came to my mind. But I was gracious and didn't say any of them. And I was like, oh, wow. I didn't know what to say. And then I left. And I probably should have done something. I'm just, I probably should have been more like Jesus in that specific situation. But I just didn't know what to do. I was kind of caught off guard. And so I walked out. And I told the girls, I said, maybe he's just made a series of bad decisions. And he's blaming a mirror for it. I don't know. That could be it. <laughs> I don't know. Might have took out a whole building. But I mean, I was like, I don't know where the logic is in that. Anyway, I don't know where. I, even, I just thought it was funny, so that's neither here nor there. I should have prayed for him, but there was a lot of people behind me, and they were very upset. It was a very stressful Goodyear visit. There were like eight or ten people in there, like, cussing each other out and stuff. And I was like, I don't know what to do. I can't pray for all of you at the same time. Get your baby clothes. Let's go. We'll do this another day. Anyway, uh, so anyway, sometimes you just make a series of bad decisions, but uh, so don't blame it on the mirror. The, uh, but there are people, that's what I was trying to go with this, there are people that we get frustrated with. Listen, their story's not over. Um, and so we, and, and if, if you're in a relationship with people and if you really feel like it's, it's uh, um, detrimental to you or your family, sometimes you may need to, 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 to distance yourself a little bit, and sometimes that can be healthy, but at the same time, we continue to pray for people. And we, we still look for opportunities. And what I do, especially in those times when I feel like, you know, it's been years and years and years, and I'm not giving up on them, and I've had to kind of take a step back because it's beginning to affect, you know, either our marriage or our kids or stuff. Some of you have been a part of this, very toxic relationships, um, where you have to go, okay, well, Lord, you're going to have to intervene a little bit more here, um, and I'm going to have to take a step back. Um, and, there's, and there's nothing wrong with that either. That doesn't mean you're giving up on them. And, you, and a lot of times I begin to pray harder in those situations and go, okay, Lord, you're going to have to do something. Please bring someone in their lives that they may actually listen to. Um, or that, that may actually reach them seriously, though, that can actually do something that can affect their lives. And, and there may be opportunities in the future where that relationship begins to, because I believe that God is all about restoration, that, that he may fix some of those things, and you may begin to, to, to enter back into those relationships. All of those things, when we begin to draw these pictures and be very careful when you do this, especially any newlyweds or newly fathers and, and newly mothers, be careful drawing or painting these pictures of this perfect life. God will mess you up. Not in a bad way, necessarily. It may be uncomfortable at times, but it may be different than you expected. This is why when we look at Jesus, when we want to look at perfect theology, look at Jesus, look at how Jesus spent his three years talking about his Father. He walked around with people. He ate with people. He spent time with people. 
moment by moment, he said, <laughs> he was, I'm sure, guarantee he was frustrated with his disciples. How long do I have to be with you until you get this? And they say, but just show us the Father. <laughs> if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. I mean, he, he continually says this. Listen, Jesus, if you want to look at, at, at how we are to be, the prototype was Jesus, Holy Spirit and man, God and man together. That's how Jesus was. He showed us that we could do the same thing. So when we look at Jesus, how did he was constantly saying, I, hear, I only do what the Father tells me, right? What do we have now? We have the Word of God. What else do we have? The Holy Spirit. We have to hear. We have to listen. We have to shut up sometimes. Listen. What's the Holy Spirit telling me in this situation? I need to go back and apologize to that guy at Goodwill and pray for him. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm joking, but maybe. Um, what's the Holy Spirit telling me in this specific situation? Listen, and he, he speaks to you. I promise he does. And it's not as kooky as you think. It may be as simple as, go do this. And you can say, I don't want to do that. He's like, all right, well, go do this. <laughs> you know what I mean? We get so caught up in, okay, well, I need to do this. I need to go to, uh, man, when we had kids, we were going to have a boy and a girl. I mean, we had it planned out. We have a boy and a girl. We had three girls. <laughs> we did not plan on having three girls. We, we, had, we had plans on how the pregnancy was going to go. We had plans on how our life was going to go. Some things worked out. Some things didn't work the way that we thought that they were going to go. Listen, when you carry the Holy Spirit with you, he's not, this is the cool thing about God. When you deal with a relational God instead of a, a, a slave master God, which he clearly says that we're not a part of anymore, he goes, okay, I see where you are. I see what you're struggling with. Either you may, you may lack in this place, I'll fill it up. You may have doubts. I want to help you with those. You may have fear and anxiety. I want to, I want to fill you in those. I want to help you in those places. Listen, if you, if you want to try to do this on your own, you can try to do it. I mean, God's not going to stop you from trying to do it on your own. Many of us did it for years, trying to do it on our own. I mean, can, can we agree that, that that didn't work out real well? We've talked about inward transformation versus outward constraint. When you, when you begin to see freedom and feel freedom, it is, it's one of the most liberating and scary things, especially a legalist could ever be a part of. When you begin to hear and, and, and feel freedom in your life, it's exciting and then it's scary. Why? Why is freedom scary? What if you mess up? What if we mess up? What if we drop the ball? What if we do something wrong? What happens when you mess up in a, in a, in a loving relationship? Think about it. What happens? Grace. Forgiveness. Why? Because there's love there. There's an unconditional love that says, beyond me, I love you. What happens if you're in a transactional uh, a contract versus a covenant relationship? I'm out. Or you need to get out. This is done. You, you, broke, you broke it. You see the difference? Conditional. When, when God says, listen, you couldn't, you couldn't hold up to your end, so I'm going to send my son to do it for you. Not halfway not, it's kind of finished, right? It's finished, it's done. And the moment you accept it, it's done in your heart, it's done. Now, it takes a while for this to catch up because we're stubborn. That's too good to be true. Yeah, supernatural. It's the greatest miracle there ever was. We've seen people raised from the dead, we've seen some miraculous physical things, but there's no greater miracle than a being that was born inheriting eternal life. By definition, it's impossible. You were born and you're going to die physically. But if you say, I receive eternal life, you're saying, I receive something that I could never get on my own. 
You're receiving something that didn't exist before he gave it to you. You, you are, in essence, entering into the kingdom of heaven at that moment. You'll eventually see it in its fullness once you die. I always talk about it. It's just like changing zip codes. That's why, that's why the Bible says we get a new Bible. It doesn't say we... Not a new Bible. <laughs> you get a new Bible when you get to heaven. <laughs> this one should be worn out. So you're going to get a brand new one. So you can read it more. Listen, these scriptures just testify about the one that we're going to go see. And I'm not trying to downplay the Bible. What I was saying is, you get a new body, not a new spirit. You get a new spirit when you're born again. And you just continue and get a, get a brand new body, which at 41 is good news for me. So, do what? 66 is even better. The good news is even gooder. But listen, when, when you're young, you want to be more independent. Listen, when you get older, you become more dependent, right? <laughs> well, you get more dependent on, on lots of physical things. But on, on, I think on the Lord you do too. And I think that's why you hear about this a lot of times of, of very, and I'm not trying to harp on death for very long, to hear about these, these very um, almost very natural transitions of people that go to be with the Lord because it's like, I'm just I'm going home. This is not a, it's not a scary thing. It's not a, you know, I'm going to miss people here, but I'm, I'm, I'm just going home. This is a change in zip codes for me. This is, this, is, this is the way that God has fixed this so that we can have eternal life, so that it doesn't stop here. Same reason that he wanted us to live forever in the garden, and we screwed that up. Same reason we eat from the tree of life and not the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And the same, same reason we, we, we don't produce fruit, we, we have fruit because God produces it in us, and we give that same fruit of, of a tree of life, not a tree of knowledge of good and evil. All right. Jesus demonstrated God's original plan moment by moment. We just talked about that day by day. He served and loved his friends and his enemies. Uh, this was not a typical way. We go all the way back to the, to the authority and ruling. This is not a typical way to rule back then. It's still not a typical way to rule and have authority today, serving people and loving people, is it? You don't see many rulers that genuinely serve and love people. This is a, a bit of a backwards way of, of having dominion and authority over the earth. But this is the way Jim and Jesus demonstrated it. Why is it so important that Jesus demonstrated it? What was he, who was telling him what to do? God, the Father. He was demonstrating the original plan of, of how we are supposed to be. We have all authority. God's given it to us from the beginning. We lost it. Jesus bought it back. Now we have all authority again. You and I have all authority on heaven and earth. That sounds pretty cool, right? What does that look like? You look at Jesus. We wash we wash each other's feet, we love each other, we serve each other, we care for each other. Not only that, but we wash our enemy's feet, we love our enemy's feet, we care for our enemy, we give them clothes, we give them a jacket, we give them a place to stay. That's radical. That's tough. Let, we can say that in church all day. Let that sink in when you leave here. Let that sink in when someone speaks badly of you to someone else, someone lies about you, someone... Um, just hurt, genuinely hurts you. How can, I'm, I'm going to try to wrap up with this, how, how do we get past that place? How do we get past those offenses? Because they hurt, let's be honest. I'll get, I'll get frustrated with people, and I'll hang on to it longer than I should. How do we get past that? Forgiveness, but we find our source. Other people aren't your source anymore. You have a new source. 
That's when we say we abide in a vine. God never told us to go around and abide in everybody that we run into, right? You're not, you're not leaping from one relationship to another, seeking to take things. Why? Because we receive everything from him. Now, instead of taking from relationships, you seek to give. That's the key. When you begin to enter into relationships, real relationships, all it is is a reflection of the relationship from the Father to us. That's why we say we love God and love people. It's kind of our motto. It's kind of the gospel. <laughs> God loves us, and from that unconditional love, we love others. If we don't have God loving us and we don't recognize that, we can't love others. You can affectionately love them. I'm talking about agape love, unconditional love. You can have affection towards others. You can do good deeds. You can be nice to people. But that's usually based on how they are to you. That's a transactional love. When you receive love from the Father and you begin to give it away for free, now when you enter into relationships, you're going to be the, the coolest guy at the party. I mean, you're going to be the guy everybody invites to your barbecues, right? Why? Because now you have something to give, not just to take away. You're not going around aggravating everybody trying to seek validation from people, trying to seek um, identity from people because your identity is in Christ now. You are tied up in him and he's tied up in you. Make sense? So God gives us a supernatural love that we can't gain on our own, an eternal love that never stops. So these treasures we talk about in heaven, guess what they are? They're relationships you're building now. They're not just jewels in a crown one day. Listen, you see how valuable gold is. He just paves streets with them. I'm not worried about gold streets. It's the relationships that you build. I think that's going to be the jewels that we see when we get up there. It's going to be the restoration that you bring because you carry Holy Spirit power everywhere you go. So when you go in a place and you begin to make, bring this, this ministry of reconciliation to people, boom, boom, boom. I see in my head these lights going off. Boom, boom, boom. You ever see like an exploded map and it shows like lights and stuff? That's what I see. Boom, boom, boom. Reconciliation. Life, 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 life. Boom, boom, boom. This is what you guys carry. So your Holy Spirit temple is running around with authority to change people's lives, to bring eternal life to people who don't have eternal life. Not good advice, good news. Mark said, and I continue to say, I've heard many sermons with, with good advice, but not many with good news. You guys carry good news. Guess what else? You guys carry the power that can manifest it in other people. So you can give people good news, and it carries power. When you speak, it carries power, and you can walk away from that person, and never see him again, and the Holy Spirit will begin to work in that person. And they may toss, and I, it was me, I tossed and turned that night when I began to really get it. This is too much for me. This is too good. It wasn't bad. I mean, it was, it was a little weird in the beginning, but I tossed and turned, man, this is too much. I can't, I can't understand this kind of love. I can't fathom that kind of love. I'm real screwed up. <laughs> like, I don't think, it, that's what everybody says. You don't understand what I've done. You don't, you don't understand how bad I am, right? That's the go-to. No, he does. Just like Chuck said, and he doesn't, he doesn't tell you, build you a ladder up to my throne room. He comes down in the garden and walks with you. He says, listen, I'm not going to send you a text message or a letter. I'm going to come in bodily form, and I'm going to walk with you, and I'm going to build a relationship with you, and I'm going to show you, demonstrate to you in the flesh who the Father is and how he works. And then he did. And he made it possible for us to do the same thing. So this is God's way. Galatians 5.22 talks about the fruit of the Spirit. This is how we rule. This is how we have authority. We love. We have joy. We carry peace. We have patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. 
Against such things there is no law. So every day, every moment, just like Jesus, we are reconciling people to him through our speech, through our actions, through how we, how we deal with people day by day, moment by moment. We should be listening for Holy Spirit to, to show us. We can look in the scriptures and it will always back up what the, what the Holy Spirit is showing us and live it. Let's talk about it. One of my frustrations when I first started going to church, when are we going to do the stuff? We talk about this every Sunday and Wednesday. When are we going to do the things? What I didn't know back then is we don't always have to do it corporately. We can do it corporately sometimes or in groups. But you, you guys do it individually in your lives. And that's the church. That's the gospel. That's the good news. So what we're going to do, um, and I'm going to wrap up with this, what we're going to do in the future, we're talking about how we're going to do some different ministries. You guys have, I think you guys each individually and maybe in some groups of friends have ideas of, of what you like to do, what you enjoy doing, or what you feel like the Lord's calling you to do and what you're gifted in. In the future, we're going to, what we're probably going to do is maybe try to do it as, as non, I don't know, I don't want to say non-structure. We're going to structure it. But uh, I want... We're kind of a living organism as our church is. You guys have great ideas. You guys have things. And I want, we want to, as a church and leadership, support you in any ministry and gifting that you have. Does that make sense? Does that make sense? I ran out of breath. So in the future, I want you guys to be thinking about and praying about where you feel like you're gifted, where you feel like the Lord is leading you to either minister inside the church or outside the church as far as outreach goes. That's the heart of our church is going outside the walls. But you're going to do that all the time anyway. Right? I'm not going to make you, but I hope you do. Trust me, it'll benefit you. So be thinking about that. I don't know if we'll, we'll figure out some way to do it, fill out papers or something. And what I'm going to do is we're going to look at all of them and see if we can combine them maybe in some groups and get you guys together and let you do it. And we're not going to try to super, super structure it. I mean, we'll try to help and support. And if there's anything we can do as far as the church goes, but I want you guys um, to be able to do that on your own. And sometimes it's easier and sometimes, well, a lot of times it's more fun when you do it with more people. So just be thinking about that and praying about that. Something that's been on my heart this week. Um, that's it. That's all I got. You guys good? Everybody good? Everybody awake? All right, stand up with me. We will pray. And I know you guys have a gift coming from uh, Children's Church. Dawn was telling me what they were doing. So if you have kids, you're about to have a, a nice little Father's Day gift. Father, we just thank you for this day. It's a good day. Um, I just pray that as we do leave this place, Lord, we're just leaving a building. We are the church. And... Um, as the church, we all have our, our different issues and our different things that we deal with. But, Father, I just pray that you, like a light bulb, would just place, like, highlight people in our lives as we leave this place, whether it's at a restaurant or with our family or with friends or just with strangers that we come in contact with. Father, that you would just, uh, um, just light people up that we can begin to minister to. And if it's whether, sometimes it's just a smile. My wife tells, tells our kids that, look, you know, be, be, be the light today. Smile. Be, show someone that you care for them today. It could be as simple as smiling at someone, or, or just recognize them. They may never be recognized. So, Father, just, just open our eyes to that. Lord, it may be, um, you know, just something practical, going of our way to help someone. Lord, you, you speak to your people in this place. You speak through your Holy Spirit on what you would have them do, Lord, and it's fun. I enjoy it, and I know that they will too. In Jesus' name, amen.